everybody. Welcome to another episode of Relative Pitch. Before we just get started, I want to cuss. I'm going to be real honest with y'all. I'm mad. Yeah. I'm upset. I'm just, yeah. ooh, I want to. This last week, and mind you, I spent the majority of my week in sunshine. But I want to cuss after this past week. Um, but anyways, how has y'all been? Y'all been good? Y'all been doing? <sighs> Child, I just started spring break, so y'all, y'all got a week in front of me, but it's okay. I'm chilling now. I'm this in the sunny state of Georgia, um, even though it kind of almost snowed the other day. So, but it's, it's, it's sunny so state in Georgia. It's it's sunny sometimes, but I'm here chilling, happy to be home, vibing. But yeah, there have been some things also this past week that has started grinding my gears, you know? So, Anthony, what's up with you? What's happening? You know, I was on spring break as well. Um, And now tomorrow I go back to my nine to five. So we just getting ready for that, you know? It's all right, it's all right. Um, This week has been filled with great things, some not so great things, Um, but it's overall, I'm I'm so happy. but, you know, I do something that has kind of come up over the weekend. I've had many conversations about it is I really feel like older generations really try to either halt or just stop us younger people from doing things of our dreams at our young age, um, in which my my parents um, we're actually the total opposite of that. Like my parents always told me like, do everything while you're young. A, you're black. That's number one. Like you're black. Um, you're never going to have a head start. You're never going to have, have a head start. Never going to have a head start. So, um, and you're never going to be treated equally. Just That's just the, the, the moral of the story. You're just not going to be. So do everything in your power to do it while you're young because nobody's going to take an older black person to mm. do this job. Mm. That, that's an ugly truth, but it is the truth. So do everything while you're young. So as a musician, you know, take those auditions, go perform at these different places, take these jobs, um, go present at, at, at um, conferences while you're young, build your resume while you're young. Um, and I feel like a lot of people in our field that is older than us who are maybe not share our uh, melanin in our skin are usually the ones to be like, I think you need to wait. I think you need to, you know, hold on. Why are you trying to go so fast? Why, you know, like, why are you rushing? And it's not, I'm not rushing. This just, I'm not taking your um, road to what you qualify as success. And what I have to say, like, you exactly just said it right. Like, usually, it is for me, it's always been professors who, like you said, were not black. And so the idea of like you not even sharing my perspective and understanding like really that the nuances of being a black person in America or just the truth, not nuances, the truths of being black in America and black anywhere, really like you we don't have time we have we were born and we were 15 paces behind you. So you telling me that I have time and I should wait. You, it's obvious you don't understand. Like, no, I don't have time because by the time I hit a certain age where you could have started your career, you would have been at the same place as me and I had to work to get there. That's the difference. So I don't have time to wait. And also like uh, another thing is sometimes these professors don't listen to your story. They don't want I don't to. know how many times I have said, well, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to, this is how I want to do it. You're going too fast. You need to calm mm. down. First of all, ain't no person is going to be over my journey and my story because it okay. is my journey and my story. So you, you have no control over that. If you don't take your time with me, guess what? I'm going to find somebody who will. Bye. That. Bye. Another thing that I've been thinking about, you know, freshly shaven, my head has more operating room, um, gets less hot so we can keep going. 
Um, is like, why is the older generation scared? Are you scared that the minute we get these terminal degrees that, by the way, many people say, oh, there's too many doctorates. Stop handing them out. Ooh. Stop it. If you think there's too many, stop it. You know why? Because <laughs> you're the one handing them the most out. You hand out five doctorates one year, the next summer you're like, oh, there's too many doctorates. What? Who just put five out there? You? You? Anyways, they're scared because the minute we get that terminal degree, we on the same playing field. Oh, yeah. And also, I these these people who get in these jobs become lazy sometimes. Like, if there's obvious problems with your school, mm. why are you clocking in and out? How about you help? Like, why aren't you helping? If there's an obvious lack in studios, like studio size, okay, you play a similar instrument. Go recruit for them. It doesn't hurt you. Trust me, you come in at 10 o'clock, boo-boo, you leave at 5. You, th there's bands rehearsing. Them seeing you. You ain't even got to play. You can just show up and be like, hey, let's work together. Let's let's do this. Like, just be be there. Send in your students to go hang out because your students will go do it. Some of these professors are lazy. And the minute we get the terminal degree and we are trying to do more, they're going to be like, that, that's why they're scared. That's why well, they're the biggest thing is, and this is something, I mean, we're talking about like ageism, right? And the, usually people talk about ageism in, in the way that they're saying, oh, they're kicking out the old, older people and everything, everything. But it's like, that's actually not the situation. What we're seeing now are there younger and younger people who want to go into fields earlier in their age, you know, especially the ac activism fields and humanitarian fields. Like there are a lot of students who start doing that from a very young age, which is an amazing thing. But then yeah whenever they want to continue going continue growing it's like oh take time like you have time like don't rush into it it's like i am going to i am I'm, first of all it's not rushing for me that's the difference i'm getting into this naturally and this i am supposed to be here that's the difference is i feel as if this is where my path is so maybe yours was different and maybe however many years ago you should have taken a break and you shouldn't have gone to get your doctorate but you guess what we're not the same <laughs> you're not the stop, same stop putting your narrative on me because or your been... mistakes projecting yeah projecting or your mistakes or your regrets another okay. thing why are we gonna pause when gas prices are 430 how am i gonna work i need money these are expensive like another thing i know and this one just lauren just talked about ageism is also happening the opposite way and that is encouraging the young people to get into the field we see people who are like my grandfather's work he noticed a trend he noticed everybody who was above the age of 66 was slowly getting picked off to me that means i need to get in here early i need to get in this field so i have retirement because i got plans for retirement i want to retire i don't want to work till my bones fall off like that ain't for me so that it's like a it's like a reaction thing we see that happening we want to get in earlier and they're like oh no yeah, like what? What are you? What are you gatekeeping? That you know, that's really what this is. You're gatekeeping, and what for? Because isn't and especially like our field music, don't we really kind of? We have this. Um, we prophesize, um, really spreading the joy of music. So why are you gatekeeping? That's why are you gatekeeping? Spreading the joy um, of music isn't real anymore. And I, and I've heard this personally, where you know some people have been like. You're on. You're only so young. Why are you presenting at conferences already? Why are you not? <laughs> <laughs> Truly, why are you not? Are you Are you upset? But also, like, you know, some people who would look at our age and and, and they would say, uh, "Do you have enough experience to be talking oh. at this at this age?" Hell, yes. Yes, I do. Because unlike you, I have experiences at this young age. And so far, they have not been the best experience because of the conversation we're having now. This is not a good experience. So the fact that I am speaking about this right now, that, that is all the things that you need to know. Another thing I hear a lot, okay, you're so young, you're presenting at conferences. Why? What do you have to say? Maybe I have a little bit to say. I also have stuff to learn because everybody still has things to learn. That shouldn't inhibit you from doing something you want to. Through We learn through performances. You want people to stop giving performances until they're perfect? 
like we can, you can present on things whenever you want to. If you feel like you have even one unique thing, but also just bringing something to the forefront. Like there's probably many a trumpet masterclasses or something done at Midwest or every state conference, but maybe yours is what really breaks through to some of these band directors. And that's why they needed to be happening. Like, just because you're not the end-all, be-all, or have one thing, like you are not, you're this kind of guy, or this kind of guy, doesn't mean you can't present. Also, don't take away from anybody's thing. They got selected to be selected. That was their thing. They got it. You might disagree with it, like, because you think you know more, or you think they're not fully knowledgeable yet, but that ain't your life. That ain't your well, track. How about that ain't this? If you feel as though you know more, then how about you damn present? Actually, actually, let me let me take that back because I don't want some of these people presenting on subject matters that they really shouldn't be presenting on. Because we see we've we've well, seen they, it. They think they know more. I'm gonna go back to that GMA presentation: how to teach black students as a white woman. In a uh, magnet school? Is it a magnet I, school? Hello. I think it was. It was a magnet school. It was it was a private magnet school, um, high school. Um, and she felt as though she had enough experience to, first of all, have a title, mm. how to teach black students from a white perspective. That, how did that slip through? They thought it probably sounded so edgy and like, ooh, or this is something a lot of these women can relate to at this thing. And like, I don't. Let me just no. tell you right now. First of all, you presenting this and you being okay, you obviously ain't got no black friends. Or you don't run about no black person because let me or just you, say, Or you ain't got no friends people, in general. You ain't all got the black no people I talked to, we was ready to go up in there like um the Panthers. Be right. in the back of be in back of that place because no, no way that title should have read that. But also, what is giving you the, the the authority to do something like this. Why why not give this why not give this to a, a a person of color? Invite them to the table. Invite them so that they can give you because obviously you are the one that's still learning about how to teach black students. Because what what in the world would make you want to give this session? I and speaking of this, this is reminds me exactly what we we're talking about before we uh, got the camera rolling. Um, I don't know why every time there's a big situation that involves racial tension and racial nuances that there's always a white woman who wants to tell her perspective of things. Um, I don't know if y'all have been seeing all the controversy surrounding this new Emmett Till opera. It's so it, that is actually an opera called Emmett Till, A New American Opera, and it's going to premiere at John Jay College, apparently. Um, and it's produced in association with Opera Noir, International and Harlem Chamber Players and everything. So I, the first thing I want to point out is that this opera was conceived by a white playwright and librettist, Claire Koss. Okay? This opera is written by a white woman. Okay? That's number one. Number two is that the opera is approached through, I'll read exactly what it is saying from playbill.com. In the opera, the story is approached through the lens of Roanne Taylor, a young white woman who teaches high school science in Drew, Mississippi. Roanne is against Jim Crow laws, of course, segregation and the racial inequality that she sees around her, but remains silent. She is the opera's only fictional character and represents what Martin Luther King Jr. called the ultimate tragedy, the silence of the good people. Absolutely not. You have lost your mind. My thing is, wasn't it the false testimony of a white woman that started the whole immaterial? Like, that's my thing. You are like, okay, yeah. First of all, it's already wrong. Like, you, if you had the idea, go to everybody else who deserves this and give it to them. Be like, you know what? I don't even give. I don't even care if you put me on the little credits or anything. I think you should write this because this should be told. That way better. More respect. I will respect you immensely. Next thing, next thing, you are bringing up so much trauma and emotional damage because it was a white woman 
who started the whole tragic story of Emmett Till. I became aware of that story, that sad, tragic story in college, actually. And it took, like, it took me that long to hear about this. And the minute I heard about it, I was like, yeah, our country's kind of screwed up. Um, also, for anybody that doesn't know, the white woman who falsely accused Emmett Till, she's still living. Um, and in fact, um, she was basically um, in witness protection program um, placed in there by her family. Um, her family uh, knows where she is. She's in some unmarked place in some part of the country because uh, she's still alive. And it came out um, maybe 10 years ago that she lied, she made everything up and caused a young black boy to be mutilated, um, to be killed. Um, I mean, you couldn't, if you've never seen the pictures of Emmett Till of how bad they mutilated his body, couldn't even really recognize that that was him. Um, go look that up because it, it, it's jarring. It is jarring. And, and if this white woman wanted to tell a damn story, she should have told a damn story of how she, as the white woman, whoever the, the white character is, should have been that damn lady and should be in jail. If you want to tell yeah. a story, that's the story you should have told. Not some, not you trying to save a bit. Oh, I almost, I almost, ooh, the people and that I'm that, that is exactly what someone said. They were like, if we're going to actually tell this story through a white woman's perspective, why not the white woman's perspective who actually got him killed? Right. Who lied and got him killed? Yeah. Because that's the story. That's the only relevant story to this. I don't want to hear about a made-up no white fiction. woman. You don't need no fiction. Who was looking for real? Who was, of course, did you, when you read that, who hates Jim Crow laws? Of course. What? Like, what? I literally was like... I want, okay, they didn't got no friends, but also, just like, and then for people who, like, new, not new to the story, if this is your first time hearing the story, awful. Imagine being taken out of your home in the middle of the night, and none of your family could help because they would also be killed. Mm. And then his mother, I, immense respect to his mother, because that she insisted on an open casket. If you go look at those pictures, imagine back then at that time with an open casket. She and, knew what oh she was gosh. doing. And that is there's a uh, a interview with his mother who she was like, "No, I wanted them to see it. I wanted to be like and if they wanted to look away, I was saying, "No, no, 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 no. You you look at that. And you look at what this hatred, this evil is doing to young men and women. It doesn't even matter. Like it should not matter what this what anyone looks like. The fact that they did this and she knew it was like and for the woman to come out and just say, "We like how many people how many murders have there been how many unjust arrests beat these things because someone opened their mouth and decided to lie what were y'all doing when you were freshmen of high school did you have a care in the world did you were just like living high school you mean you were adjusting to the new i mean environment I mean my experience is different from y'all's because I know y'all's parents probably y'all had some talks and stuff. But like, I remember I was a carefree little marching man, little nerd, like oh, enjoying God. like freshman year of high school. And y'all probably had very, very different experiences. But that was that age. That is 14 years old. Your freshman year of high school. I also feel as though wrong timing. Um, as well, along with everything else we've said, because I just saw um, a news article, the, like literally two days ago, where it was just like, the Emmett Till family, the ones our age, uh, want justice. They want to bring this white woman to justice. They should. For now, uh, for, since 19, what, 55 until now, it's been, um, it, it, it's, everybody's been cool or I'm not gonna say everybody was cool with it but it's been um okay that this lady is somewhere in some part of the country yes she might be 88 whatever don't give a damn because guess yeah. what she still did what she did back then and she still got off scot-free she got a young black boy killed off of a lie she needs to be brought to justice I don't care if she's 96 I don't care if she's 106 she needs to be brought to justice she's 87 you can go in prison. Bye. Go to prison. Live live the rest of your time on this side of the earth in jail. 
How and when you die, live the rest of your internal, your uh, uh, external, whatever life in jail as well. Because you know what? You did something dirty, something wrong, and something wow. came and got you. I don't know wow. what type of, of hell she's living right now. I don't know if karma has it's got not enough. It's not it's enough. Not enough. It's not enough for me, and I know it's not enough for that family because here is a man that Emmett Till. He had his whole life to go. You, you, we don't know what uh, 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 type of life he would have had, what type of influence that young black boy would have had. He could have been a musician. He could have been a doctor, a lawyer. He could have been anything, but we would have never known. Could have been, but we don't know because of a lie a white woman told. Mm. And if this is uncomfortable for you to hear, you need to sit into it. And you need to go read it. You need to go read the story word for word. And you need to imagine it. Like, I just can't get over it. Like, being taken from your... What was it? He was staying at a family's... It wasn't his family. It was his uh, cousin's, cousin's house. Being taken. Watching your whole family. Watching you. Because they know if they did something, all of them dead. Like, you're being stripped from your sleep. To then be mutilated brutalated on and on and on until you're dead like that just oof something so this is really getting me back into a lot of other into a lot of other areas the first area i want to hit on first is how in and then you can see this in a lot of movies and tv shows being written now there is a lot of forgiveness and also almost like a i want to say like a like people are interested in shows that show a lot of things about like white forgiveness. Like, so in the, in the sense of like, there's a show on Netflix called Inventing Anna and it's called the Anna Delvey story. And I watched all of it cause it was really interesting. But what, when I finished it and I was really thinking about it, I was like this white woman committed. So basically the story is about a, a Russian woman who come, who like basically comes over to the US and she reinvents herself as being a German heiress. So she's going around telling everyone, I'm a German heiress. Like my, whenever I turn this age, my father's giving me like $25 million, like saying she has an inheritance, all this stuff. So she learns how to act and dress the part of a rich person. And basically the story goes through and shows like, if you act a certain way, you know how to talk to certain people, they'll just assume that you are in a certain bracket, especially the fact that she's a young white woman and she has a certain, you know, those clothes, she's going to the fashion shows and all this stuff. She knows what to say. She knows what to do. And she basically by acting this way, get so many places to because you know what happens with for the celebrities, they get all these free endorse the, like free stuff for endorsements. They get asked to like, we'll pay you this much if you wear this stuff, all the stuff. So that type of stuff started happening for her is where she's getting all these people to invest in her because they think this woman is when she gets her inheritance is gonna have a crap ton of money. I want a part of that. And she has all these ideas of I want to create this new thing for this, this and this. Anyway, all the stuff she gets caught at the end later on but then the trial it's crazy because it's like we don't want her we like love her for she was an entrepreneur and she did all this da, da, da. and i'm like y'all have so much forgiveness to get out to white women who who break systems so he, who break laws and do all those things in the name of like um aesthetics and all this thing but when it's like a a black teenager or some black kid who was doing anything and they say like like oh well they should have been in that situation that's their like they should have they should have known that if they were to be outside at night wearing a hoodie that they would get shot like that is what really that was a long way of saying i'm bothered and i it pisses me off that there are so much free like i said forgiveness for certain people and situations and then in other people in other situations like they should have known better or that doesn't apply to them but if um I digress. I digress. I learned this uh, in school, uh, public education, uh, my education, because that's so one story, one story. I went to a school where my sophomore year, I got called out of class um, and evidently, uh, well, first I got called out of class. I got put into a room for about two hours. No, nobody told me what was going on. Why was I in this room? just got pulled out of class. I was in my second period. I was in geometry. I remember the room. I remember the day. I remember everything. Two assistant principals pulled me out, um, set me in a room, and that was it. 
Two hours go by and I'm sitting in this room where we could not talk, we cannot do anything. We couldn't even breathe, basically. We had to be silent. Uh, the two other principals come and get me and take me out to my car and I ask them politely, what, why am I, you know, why am I here? Why am I here? Um, and they say, well, we did some dog sniff things um, and the dog sniffed your car for marijuana. Interesting. So they asked to search through my car. They searched through my car. Of course, there was nothing in there. Um, but there were incense in my car because obviously I want my car to smell good. And they asked me, they really criminalized me of why do I have the little trees in my car? Like I'm trying to hide something. And I told them flat out in their face, I have never smoked in my life. I am a bad asthmatic. So therefore, weed or any other inhalable drug, I cannot do. Not only that, but I'm also a vocalist. That would ruin my vocal cords. So you just, why am I here? Also, I don't see no damn dog. I don't see no police. Where is the deputy, the, the school deputy? Where is he? Why are you two talking to me? But then, so they go through that after being feeling like a criminal, I get released back to class. Like, oh, nothing happened. And my question to them was, but you see all these white boys walking around this school with dip cans in their pockets, but you got amnesia then. Like literally, country boys will come into this school with a big dip can like this in their pockets, but you don't stop them. You have an imaginary dog to stop me, to take me out of education, out of me learning for me to, because obviously I, I'm a bad person, I'm the bad child, and I should have known not to have incense in my car. We can forgive the dip and all this, but is it, I thought this was a no drug free uh, drug free zone. So you learn that as a child. That is my experience, but you learn there's many, many more experiences like this. And this is what you learn. The, the forgiveness of white. Uh, I also, we had white students pill popping. And that the, never- Forgiveness, in addition to that, is innocence of white. Innocence. Innocence. And I'm sitting here like, but it took my parents to come up there and to really read y'all for filth and get y'all together before you offered me an apology. You released me back to class, not saying, oh, we're sorry for this, you know, um, I don't know what happened. No, 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 no. You released me still thinking you were on top of the world. But what you didn't realize is that my parents are my biggest supporters and they're going to ride for me to the day I die. So guess what? At 7.45 in the morning, guess who was in your office? Reading your ass down, down. My mother was a, a, a sergeant in the military. My father was from the ghetto. You <laughs> bad mix, bad mix. Let me just tell you that. Just know about before the end of first period, I got, uh, can I have Anthony Morris to the front office, please? And this principal who is, who is really interrogating me about why I have incense in my car is now, oh, I didn't mean to make you feel this way. I really want to sincerely apologize to you. But also my thing is all four principals should have been in there apologizing to me because all four of you got me out of class and then so the person who offered me an apology was the assistant principal i want the head bitch in charge Ooh, the head the head even my parent my parents said that the head principal sent in the assistant principal to take this i want all four of you and to this day i still have yet to get an apology in fact they they love to tell the story oh yeah Anthony, you was you was rough around the edges but this school we transformed you no the hell you no didn't. no absolutely not you did nothing in fact you you really inflicted trauma on me you inflicted trauma on me and that part of education people don't like to talk about that's absolutely disgusting but we can forgive and remain others' innocence. 
but we can't even apologize when we are wrong to a black person or a person of color. It's like you almost feel like it's like the whole saying of innocent until proven guilty. We don't have that. We're guilty until we prove ourselves innocent. It's the complete opposite of that. Like, I feel like when I walk into a space, I immediately have to show something where they're like, oh, I can stop clutching my bag, you know? Oh my gosh, the the uh, honestly, it's code switching. It's like you you when you walk into a room. Okay, for me, don't be aggressive. Mm. Don't 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 walk like, in so confident because confidence come off as aggressive, and you yeah. want to make sure that they are you know they're not uh, scared of my presence. So like, audition season came around. Mm. Audition season come around. When you walk into the audition room, you have to. Put your shoulders down, but mm. make sure your eyebrows are not arched. Make sure you come off very, um, uh, uh, come off very soft, you know, so yeah. you do not, you do not anger somebody. Non, non-threatening is the non- term, non-threatening. Threatening. Non-threatening. It's funny because I actually saw a TikTok the other day and uh, it was this uh, black lady and she said, you know, I'm going to start pulling a white woman's uh uh, I'm finna pull a white woman's um, MO. Anytime I'm at work and they call me in for something, just start crying. Just start crying. Just start crying. Because now, <laughs> because you fit into that, they're a damsel in distress. Oh, like, uh, right? Oh my gosh. They're a damsel like, in distress. We're so it, sorry that we caused you so much pain. Start crying. And it's almost like sometimes, like, I remember I was in the airport one time and this story always is interesting to me because like, I'm like, we, me and Anthony share the fact that we are both like black, but I'm a, I'm a woman, right? I'm a female. So there are a lot of other nuances that he has gone through that I would never understand and things that I've gone through that he would never understand. And so like, we're in an airport and everything and, or I'm in an airport, right? I'm like going to, in Chicago and everything and I'm coming down and I'm trying to like, I'm looking at my phone and I'm trying to kind of figure out like where I am. Like it was one of the first, you know, first times I had been, and I think it was a different, I think it was midway, not um, not O'Hare that I'm used to. So I was like looking around, trying to figure out like what's going on. There are like six like off, like police officers at the bottom of the escalator where like near where I'm going down and everything. And I like get off the escalator and I like just, I'm kind of standing there, like just looking at my phone again, trying to figure out like where my ride is and da da da. And they like start approaching me and everything and like first of all i'm gonna say this no matter who you are or what your organization you're with or whatever um i don't like being approached by multiple men at the same time i don't like it it's happened multiple times in different settings i don't like it don't approach me in a group setting it really bothers me and so not even that but then i immediately feel like i can't be defensive right so i can't be like aggressive about it or anything because again these are police officers so i immediately feel like the safest i can be in this situation if is if i make myself the most non-threatening figure that they could possibly encounter so i literally am like um like because they come up to me and they're like um hi like ma'am like can we help you or da 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 like say something very like basic like that and i'm like oh yeah i'm trying to look for like my friend who he said he's out here da da and they're like oh yeah yeah like we'll take you out there and everything so now i'm kind of like I feel like, and I, the safest I could feel is if they felt like they were helping me. And I know there's a lot to unpack in that, but for me, the idea of six officers walking up to me at one time in an unfamiliar territory, I immediately have to be like, you are in charge. I am not in charge. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm dumb. Help me, like take me to where I need to be. And that's what they did. They took me outside. I found my ride and I left. But the fact that I felt like I had to do that because I felt unsafe. First of all, just in, again, in general, a group of men walking up on me like that, but then also the fact that they were police officers. Um, the point, hold on, the, for us, the first thing to come into our head when anything like that happens is make it out alive. I, I just need to make it out alive. And that's it. And that's really it. I'm sorry, Michael, but that's just... I was going to approach that from, like, not even, like, y'all's perspective is very different. Like, even mine. A group of men is just scary. Let's just be very honest. A group of men who are, like, not even completely confident about themselves. Like, a group of men who are decently confident about themselves just comes off very not okay. 
And, like, that's not saying men can't walk together, but you gotta really, like, realize people's trauma. Like, especially if you walk up to a woman, mm. any woman, you're a group of men. What do they think is gonna happen? You know what I'm mean? on edge. I'm already, like, on defense. Like, like, men are just scared, especially men that you don't know who they are. Because you don't, like, pop off. I know, like, when I suddenly get angry, I'm a completely different person. Right. And that's every man. That's every person. But really, men can go from zero to I'm going to kill you in literally this much. And so, like, that is, that's, uh, it's scary. just scary. It's, it's it is scary. scary. Um, I mean, even for because there is a lot of trauma with. Uh, I, let me say this: straight white men, or honestly, straight men in general. To be honest, if we're calling it, like them, even for me, because growing up, whenever you would see like straight men in a, in a in a room, I have two things: uh, mm. if it's straight white men, oh lord, in words coming out, you know. Boom. Or as a gay man, you're like, oh, snap, the F word's coming out and here we go. So like, then you might put them together and you're like, oh, I'm going to be an F in, you know, like, wait a minute. Okay, wait a <laughs> oh minute. Oh my God. So I, I mean, so for me, I I think in this, in our little group, I'm the first one to go on defense first and let it out first. Um, but there are times where I have to realize like, Baby, you were really outnumbered. <laughs> you gotta wait a minute. Make it out alive first, right? It's Make survival. It out alive first. It's, it's really survival tactic. Um, and so back to what we were saying earlier, for the people like, why are you doing this so young? Because we have the experience. That's why we're doing this podcast because we have those experiences. Okay. Yes. How are did we just graduate college two years ago? You're damn right. But do we have experience for years and years beyond that? Absolutely. And we're also giving other people the platform to share their experiences with the public. Like, I know, like, for me, like, I'm not going to have experience like them too. But, like, for me even to talk to other, like, fellow members of the LGBTQ community, LGBTQ community, wow, um, in the South teaching, I haven't been asked, like, not asked to come back because of my lifestyle decisions and always phrased that way lifestyle also the way i interact so you're saying i'm too flamboyant too energetic and then sarcastic okay you're sarcastic you call that you call that student a squirrel <laughs> like you just say you look like the squirrel from over the edge like what who's acting brand new baby like just because I do it in a very flamboyant like I personally I will also say I don't like the sound of my voice especially on a microphone so I don't use a microphone I'm just very loud so I'll just do that instead and it's very like one of my oh bit one of the second year I was working band camps after I've been working at the school for a whole year these students got a little brave they got a little brave they were like Michael you have a girlfriend or are you into <laughs> girls i was like hoo, hoo, hoo. i said uh i am married to my trumpet they said hmm interesting because you dance very feminine like and i was like what is that supposed to mean are you the de i literally said to this boy are you the definition of masculine because if you are Ooh. then this world's in trouble and that's where that conversation ended right there like but first of all why are you gonna say that Kid, you know, so these kids hear from their parents. That's all I'm going to say. They do. And like, I know somebody who dresses like a hipster slash emo kind of person. Um, like docks, darker colors all around, uh, tight shirts and stuff. And he didn't get asked back because he dressed weird. Um, so bringing this to teaching. So I actually had to find this out. Through a conver, it, first of all, it was a mixed conversation um, with my principal. I was there, and there was like three other teachers, and it was after hours. But he disclosed this information. Out, he had meetings with parents 
my students' parents because they felt um, they didn't want their child being taught by a gay person. Now, mind you, I have been at this school at that point for a year and a half. Never heard that story. Never heard the story. At, never. Until that day. And, and like, I mean, he spoke up. He was like, why does that, you know, why does that matter? Yada, yada. But like, I left like, that happened and I did I didn't know this, okay this is my biggest thing because this has been starting to come out a lot with media right and the more and more movies and tv shows that are coming out you're seeing a lot more including children's uh or cartoon shows that people automatically assume a cartoon is a children's show um coming out with like characters who are openly gay or openly trans or openly queer like queer uh, gender fluid all those things and the parents are going crazy. Like they're trying to influence our children to change. I'm like, okay, so whenever your kids were walking, watching Snow White, Beauty and the Beast, Cinderella, all those things, you weren't saying that they were pushing heterosexuality on your children. So why, and whenever your students are in classes and, and they have teachers, of a female teacher who is married to a man, a male teacher who's married to a female or whatever, or just in general, straight teachers, you have no problem. Like you're, you're not thinking, oh, that male teacher, he's going to try to influence my young girl because she is straight and he's straight and they're like, or like, or be just because he's straight, he's automatically going to be going after those. Um, That's the biggest problem. What, Them coaches and the little girl. And, and that is, and that's what they should be worried about that's what they should be worried about is is the fact that that is happening more often than they want to consider but then they're still worried yeah about a, a gay t- a, a teacher who first of all i don't even know like anthony were you have you been openly like have you just said do like do I've they never, know or are they assuming i assume i never ever said it to a parent or a child um, okay so oh, so assuming, first of all, they're just go- going off of what they have thought or whatever. And it doesn't matter that you are, like, whatever. Like, we, mm-hmm. yes, we know you are, but they don't know you. And so for them to be all up in your face like that and to be like, we're going to assume, first of all, that he's gay. And then we're going to assume that because he's gay, he's a bad influence on my child. That's what pisses me off more than anything. I, I really wish, and this will never happen. I wish you had to come out as straight. Like, can we all just start, like, can we all start asexual and then go from there? You know what I mean? Go from there. Like, let's all, because when you're a baby, you ain't thinking about nothing. Nothing. Nothing Like that. Chilling. It is. So, like, with these TV shows and, like, all these people are, like, talking about it, it's just like, can you just watch the damn TV? Right. Can you enjoy something? Just look. Enjoy. Um, but no, you want to make this a whole issue now. You want to make this whole issue. And on, on on my story, I was just like, I wish you would have told me because, I mean, I'm glad that you spoke. I'm glad that you, you know, spoke up for me and, and everything. But like, these are the things that us, you know, my the people who have been in oppressed groups, we have to deal with. Um, as educators, as people just walking in normal life, you will have people who are just like, no, I'm good. I mean, I could have just been black. And they were like, we they don't still feel comfortable. They still would. Like, yeah. do, you, do you think I'm going to change your children? You think I'm going to be like, hey, you, third trumpet that I see once a week, I think you should be gay. You know I why? Mean, see, I'm gay. Like, but see, this is the thing. They think that because mm-hmm. I don't know if y'all have been up on the news, but in Florida, they just passed the don't say gay bill oh, it for kindergarten to third grade. You cannot say gay, the word gay, between kindergarten and third grade. That, that's what they want. They wanted between they wanted, 12, they wanted, they wanted all of 12, but they ended up just deciding on K through. It went through the whole Senate. Um, went through the governor, all, all of it. So you cannot say gay in public education. You can't say it. That's crazy. And it's like, I have nephews that age, like around there, a little bit uh, like like fifth grade too. And mm-hmm. they're like, they like ask me, hey, when are you going to get a boyfriend? Because you're kind of boring. You oh my gosh. Like I'm, like, I'm like, that's cool. They know we're chilling. Like that, and they're okay with that. 
Like there was never any question. This and like is way more open. They, and that's the thing. Old people, old white people are still are making these laws and they're they don't they're so far removed. You don't know what your child is talking about, what they're doing, because you have a babysitter, you have this, you have that, you send them off to school and you don't even think about them. You don't know what these these kids, because guess what? They are in my class longer than they're at your home because get with you because when they get home you might still be at work so you don't know what these children are going through like i had students who who have come to me and was like i i want to come out to my family okay do you feel comfortable doing that no i don't my parents don't understand me but i do because I, I see them every single day they know when they come to my class it is an open space for that so, but these are the same people who are making the uh, laws don't say gay. Hmm. Like, what, what are you trying to protect? Who are you trying to protect here? You're yourself. protecting your children. Yeah, you're not protecting your children. You're protecting yourself and what you, what because you feel uncomfortable, you want to make everybody else feel uncomfortable. Instead of <laughs> learning, learning about something you don't feel, that you feel uncomfortable about, you want to make a law so, oh, I'm going to just pretend it doesn't exist. Wrong wrong and i know for other people who think time is fake because i think time is fake your grandparents or great-grandparents if you're that lucky were alive when segregation was still a thing yeah. like it's it doesn't it feels a supremely far away it's not it's, it's still not. alive like people it's are still living it's alive right like, and, and, they're, and they're the ones bringing it back they're like let's figure out ways where we can control these these kids, and I will say this in my full ignorance, they know more than me about my own stuff. They know more than me about LGBTQ rights and yes. terminology and pronouns. I'm proud of them. They teach me, and I love that because I can. I love learning from children. I love learning from every kid I teach. It's a. It's inspirational. It makes me want to teach them more. But they know more than I do, and I've been living this life for twenty three years. Like, and they've been living this life for half of that. Yeah. And it's like, they know more because it's important to them and they respect their friends. They're not going to go to somebody and be like, you want to be called they? Eh, I don't like you anymore. Bye. They'll be like, okay, they, cool. What are some other pronouns? They start going on the Google and they just figure stuff out. So funny story. Um, and it'll be very quick because I know we're about out of time, but so in my class, I have a I have a very diverse makeup. So I have football players, basketball players, your people who watch anime. I have them all. Um, and so there's a student. He had just came out as gay, or actually he's been gay or whatever. And like I heard him saying, I was like, oh wow, okay. And then the a football player, a football and basketball player, he was like, you didn't know he's gay. And I was like, I don't assume. But like now, think of that ten years ago. Would a basketball slash football player been so nonchalant about that? No, they would have been like uh, slurry or slushies or whatever. Yeah, they, and they also play the same instrument, so they sit next to each mm. other. So oh, yeah. uh, that wouldn't have happened. But because of this nonchalant, I was just like, oh my gosh, like this is, you know, this is great. I love that. And that's even an improvement from when I was in high school. When I was in high school, I was friends with, like, the football, basketball people and stuff, but we weren't like that. Like, I was only friends with them because of the crowd I hung out with, and it was the most popular girl group, and they didn't want to piss off their future girlfriends or current girlfriends, so they, they acted comfortable with it. I don't know if they really were or not, because some of their own friends said some things to me in the hallway, and I chased them down, and they ran like little baby boys. I just... I, I want to say that it's because I'm trying to think back because like I don't share that's a perspective that you guys share that I don't share and so for me I always try to think back to like what was my first I guess knowledge or awareness of the LGBTQ community and I honestly can't really pinpoint a distinct time frame um, I don't even know if I nested like where I would have had my first and whether it was through like a, like a show or through like friends, probably friends just talking and things like that. And the th the beauty of when we talk about the differences between magnet schools, private schools, like public schools and the difference of the like, environments you're in when you're there. I went to a magnet school um, that wasn't private 
thankfully. So it allowed for more minorities to be a part of the school as well. So there was a very, it was a huge mix of people from different backgrounds. And my, when I was actually, now I remember sixth grade, there was a senior who he was black. And I remember the first time I ever saw him walk in, he was like, walking in like shoulders moving and he just was all he had his girl gang around him and he just had all these mannerisms that were very much like pointed articulate and i'm here and i remember being like mesmerized like literally i was like who is this person because every first of all everyone loved and knew of him everyone was like, oh my gosh do you know him do you know him like everyone knew who this person was he was an icon around there like it was a thing where i don't think i even knew it exactly like i didn't necessarily associate him with being gay all i knew was this is somebody who acted in a very in a way i've never seen before but the fact that people were under like it would not be understanding it was a no one cared like that's the crazy thing is that's what i'm trying to say is they make it seem as if encounters with members of the lgbtq community will immediately influence people to like want to be that way themselves and all those things no it, what it was so cool because at the end of the year the seniors would always put on this thing called like the senior spoof and they would dress up as different teachers and do a skit he was the drama teacher who was this blonde so he literally came out with a blonde wig heels yeah. on stage a bag all this and we were all like oh yes like go we like ever it was so funny because it made sense like of course like Chris's, I think his name was Chris. I, of course, Chris is gonna play like Miss um, Walpert. Like that makes so much sense. Like because he was a drama student, that was like one of his mentors. So for me, actually, now that I think about it, I think that was the first time I ever encountered. And he like he like I learned later on that yes, he was like a part of the LGBTQ community, and everything. But I was like, that's I'm trying to what I'm trying to say by this is it's not as big of a deal as y'all are making these parents are making it where it's like they're going to encounter a student or a teacher who is a part of the community and it's going to influence them no it didn't it just made me more aware of the different perspectives and it was cool and it was fun <laughs> I, got, I got one quick thing to say and I don't want to rain on this parade because that was a lovely story they're so scared of gay teachers preying on students when their gym coaches are the ones who's actually doing it and getting away with it. That's I'm, that's all I'm going to say. But y'all, this this has been a truly great episode. I wanted to cuss. I mean, I kind of still want to cuss. I might cuss later. Who knows? I might have a cussing hour. Um, but this was, it was great. And I hope y'all enjoyed it too. If y'all ever just want to talk, like, let's talk. Let's do it. Let's talk. So, y'all have a great week and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.